0: The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Welcome
1: to another episode of Create Your Shot. I am Tyler Laurie and I am joined as always by my co-host up in Philadelphia, Chris Smalls Angelos. Smalls, it's Labor Day, great holiday, but unfortunately the end of summer. Wanted to check in. How are you are feeling? How's your psyche?
0: Yeah, well, I'm wearing all white, Tyler. Uh so that's that's how I'm doing. That's my Labor Day specialty. Uh did a little golf, but uh went to the Phillies game. Watched my bet buddies. So my buddies pulled up the Bovada app all weekend. You mean
1: Bovada dot Just wanted to be clear. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, just
0: to be clear, they're pulling it up, they're hammering away bets. I'm telling them how dumb they are. Boom. They lose all their money, but then they're just betting it back. Hopefully they're all even. It was a great weekend in sports betting, I'm sure. A lot of college football on. But we got, you know, the lucky – we were very lucky to have our buddy, Coach Goldsmith, back on the podcast this weekend. Yeah,
1: recurring guest, Coach Matt Goldsmith from the College of New Jersey. One of the few guys that's been a recurring guest. It's a short list. It's like Bobby Jordan, Josh Leffler, I think. Is that it? Bart has Andrew Bart has been on, Daddy Vegas a couple different times. But I think that's it for us on these Tuesday episodes And uh, we called Matt back on to talk about his foreign tour, like they went to Italy. And I I honestly thought, especially for small colleges, as we've been doing a little bit more with the small colleges lately, really interesting to kind of talk about what this does for you as a small college coach, because you are allowed 10 practices. It is an opportunity to kind of be with your team during the summer, kind of work with your guys a little bit, play some games, and then take guys overseas. So We've like briefly talked about foreign tours with coaches before. I know we talked with Sean Ritigliano about Lipscomb going to Italy last year, but we wanted to have an entire episode kind of about a foreign tour and they had just gotten back. So I honestly thought it was super interesting. And obviously when Goldie gets on the show, like it's a lot of fun and games for us. But I did think he had a lot of really interesting points about how to structure your practices, what to do with your guys when you're over there, kind of how to handle it, what he learned from you know, his coach at Amherst and then what he decided to do. And, and I thought that part of this episode was really interesting and, and very beneficial to hear.
0: Yeah. I think the value definitely the way he expressed it and the way they went about it, the value is definitely there. Uh, not really to, to a basketball perspective. I think, yeah, definitely having 10 practices and being able to be with your guys and practice when you can't as a division three is valuable. But the bigger thing here is, you know, they get an experience for a lifetime And so do the coaches, uh, the team, the program, it elevates your program. So I really liked hearing about the experience for the players. And that came through on this podcast. It wasn't so much about, you know, X's and O's and like getting this right and that right. It was the time that they had together and the memories they were able able to create. I thought that was really interesting. And it it kind of makes you think that, you know, I I think more division three and division two schools and things like that, that that's where a lot of, if you can fundraise a little extra, I think that's where the money should go just because uh, you know, it's a difference maker. And I think you can recruit with that, but you can also actually give your guys a big time experience as well.
1: Yeah. And it does show again, like kind of the differences in the decisions the NCAA makes, like they were not allowed to bring freshmen along and they did spend a lot of time fundraising specifically for this. And obviously at a Division One, this money doesn't come from nowhere, but there's some different things you can do to make sure that you can afford it. And at the small college level, you kind of have to be a little bit more—I wouldn't say like frugal—but you have to be much more cognizant of what you're going to spend the money on. And if you're going on a foreign tour, maybe you start fundraising a couple of years in advance rather than being like, "Okay, this summer we can do it," and we can do it once every couple of years. It's maybe a little bit more of a special uh, situation for for a college like TCNJ. And I thought like you said, the the culture building aspect of it's great. But then also I thought Matt pointed out something really great in terms of like why you coach. It's because you want to be a part of impacting guys' lives. And I think he did speak, I won't spoil his kind of thoughts on it, but I think he did speak about what it was like to take guys to another country and kind of have them understand different culture and what happened, you know, in a, in a spot like Italy. And then obviously enjoy, you know, kind of food and drink like you might, you know, within reason, smalls, but I did think that part was cool. And, you know, that's one thing you and I as managers and and as college coaches have not gotten to go on a foreign tour yet. You know, I missed it by a year at Temple. I missed it by a year at CFC as well. But I I think when you get to go and spend time with your friends and your family, I, I think it's a very, very special thing. And that's why I do think episodes like this are totally necessary because maybe if some coaches have thought like, oh, well, I can't maybe pull this off. I thought Goldie offered some solutions as to how to be able to do that. And I think that's very important, especially as you go into the season, if you want to give yourself a leg up, maybe for 2020, 2020, 2021, this is kind of a way to do that smalls. And that's why we kind of decided to go this way. And obviously we like getting Matt on just to kind of chop it up. Cause he gets where we're coming from and we like to laugh and joke around and, and smalls, you know, made fun of us for talking about gelato too much and talking about wine. But at the same time, like, I think there is, you know, both pros and cons to having him on. But I, I do think one of the pros is absolutely that, you know, we have a really good time when he's on. And
0: no, it's great time. And that's what it's all about. I just make fun of you guys because I love you guys. You know what I mean? Like, it's like tough love. But uh, no, some, I loved it. I mean, I just got a huge craving for gelato and I couldn't go to Italy at that moment to just go get me some gelato. But you guys have mentioned it 30 plus times. 27, 27 when you brought it up. When I brought it up, I think I went back and counted. Just kidding, I didn't. But I'd love to somebody, if somebody could count the amount of times uh, gelato was mentioned and count them in the intro that were mentioned gelato and just tweet me. Tweet, create your shot send me how many times he said gelato and we'll figure it out from there and we'll see if we can beat it with any other words in the future.
1: One other thing I do want to point out this morning I was trying to this is we're talking on Labor Day so Monday morning I was trying to figure out when we were going to do this intro for the episode and texted smalls 7:53 central time you know guys 8:53 eastern time for all the geniuses out here that don't know it's different and uh didn't get a response back. Then I sent him a, a really cool gif of Stone Cold Steve Austin looking at his watch.
0: I sent the same one yesterday to or Saturday to my book. I swear to God. I'll, I'll send it to you. Yeah. So I a sent, great
1: back, sent, sent that about like 11 a.m. because I still hadn't heard anything. Then I was in Kroger. I was getting something for a barbecue this afternoon. Still hadn't heard anything. Texting back. I was like, are you dead? Like, what's the about over under for how many times I have to kind of wait to hear from you before I go, like you said, like Veronica Mars. And I try to figure out if everything's okay. I think like you've got to find somebody who loves you. Like your podcast co-host loves you, you know? And and that was a really devastating thing for me to not know what was going on with you, especially on Labor Day morning. <laughs> I thought
0: maybe you like, well, this, this like leads me to my next thing. We just got to bring beepers back, man. I mean, <laughs> If you really want like something awesome, a product to sell, maybe this can be our first product. Is like create your shop beepers. I just want beepers back because the concept to me is just tremendous. I know doctors still use them and everything like that. But if I'm walking down Philly right now with the beeper and that thing's and I I'm at dinner or something like that, I pull it off. Am I not going to be the coolest guy in the bar? Like people are going to be like. Why do you have a beeper, man? And I can make up some stuff. I can make up 10 different things. They're going to think you're a drug dealer, I think. That's the last thing I know beepers were used for. Like in the wire, they were beeping
1: guys. And then they go to the, cool. you know, they'd go to the pay
0: phones. That's, that's cool. If like someone wants to think that of me, that's fine. I'm just going to be pulling out my beeper, getting beeps. Hey, if you want to reach me, you can beat me. Here's my number. I miss beepers. I and like cell phones and beepers kind of overlap for me when I was a kid. So I never had a beeper. So I just want that experience.
1: Great, great song lyric there. Call me beat me if you want to reach me. Impossible. Uh, right. Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. That's it that was a TV show on Disney Channel. <laughs> we are we are out for this week. Enjoy this week with Coach Matt Goldsmith. If you like what you hear, we are at Create Your Shot on Twitter, at Create Your Shot Pod on Instagram, createyourshot at gmail.com, and uh, that is create your shot on Facebook as well. Uh, If you like what you hear, please do leave us five stars and leave us a review. Shoot us up those rankings. That's very important for us. And as always, we appreciate everyone who listens. And like I said, if you're interested in foreign tours and you want to hear more about it, Goldie kind of leaves the info of the group that they worked with, but there are a ton of others. You can just Google them and enjoy this interview with him. Even if you don't care about a foreign tour, it's always fun to have him on, kind of hear about how things are going into this season. And we appreciate everyone who listens and we will be back next week. (laughs) We are pleased to be joined by Matt Goldsmith, the head coach at TCNJ. Uh, we hadn't had a guy, an Amherst alum, on in a while, so we we grabbed, you know, <laughs> now a recurring guest. Before we get into it, Matt, I just want to know how you feel about that. It's your second time on the show. Only a few people get the call back.
2: Uh truly honored. Honestly, I thought if I got called back, it'd be for like college football talk or maybe some NFL. I don't know, but to be actually called about basketball again, yeah, I can't tell you. I, I feel great
1: about it. That's a big deal. We we called you back mainly. We want to talk about your foreign tour. That's why you're back on. You guys just came back from Italy. But we also mainly want to talk about what you think about, like, the pizza and the wine. So it's going to be probably <laughs> people who are interested in basketball talk, like, yeah, 10 minutes of b-ball talk, and then maybe 30 minutes of, like, culturally how was Italy. But uh, we will we will start with the foreign tour. I guess my first question is, like, How did it come about and and how often, you know, do small colleges do one? Did you do a foreign tour when you were at Amherst as well? Like, do you have other coaches that were kind of like, hey, use this service? Can you kind of walk us through how it popped up?
2: Yeah, sure. So my last year as an assistant at Amherst, uh, we actually planned a foreign tour and then I got uh, the job out down at TCNJ. So I didn't actually end up going on the tour, Um, but I think it kind of depends, you know, a ton of schools out there, the ones that have maybe a little bit more resources or a bigger athletic department tend to go, you know, every three or four years. Um, here at the college of New Jersey, we haven't, we had never done one as a program, but, uh, when I got the job, uh, we kind of made it a mission, uh, that in the next three or four years, we were going to try to go on, uh, a foreign tour. So we had been, you know, saving in the background for it for three or four years with the plan to go and you know things came up and different expenses um that kind of put us back a year or two and then we you know we kind of just buckled down last year and had the guys really focus on fundraising and we were running all our camps and like a high school shootout to try to do it and uh over the three years we put it together so now we're going to try to get on a nice cycle like every three or four years to make it happen
0: that's awesome and we were kind of talking about it earlier in terms of the advantage that it's given your team how did you i mean it's new to you as a head coach uh, how did you structure your practices and really uh, you know develop those practices so you're ready for the foreign tour and also propelling you into the into this year
2: yeah it's a it's a great question because it's kind of interesting so you're coming up into the foreign tour but your guys might have internships or uh, you know things going on so you know The first four practices or so, we had seven, eight, uh, sometimes nine. So it kind of depended how many guys we were having. So we had to get a little creative on how we were going to structure it. But I was really fortunate. So I I talked to Coach Hickson. He's gone two so far in the last six or seven years. And then I talked to actually a guy I've worked with at J. Bill's camp who just went on one as well, uh, John Baines. He's the Elmhurst coach in the Midwest. And we had talked about it at camp and just kind of like, how do you structure these practices to get the most out of it? So, you know, going into the 10 practices, our big goal was skill development because, you know, summer season, you're trying to improve skills and we didn't want to overcomplicate. So we wanted to be able to use a ball screen, be able to guard ball screens, um, you know, have a primary and secondary break in and kind of get into like our main actions, hopefully. But, um, you know, we also wanted to use it to see if some of the new stuff we were going to do next year was going to work. So um, we didn't want to overcomplicate it, but we wanted to add some new things in. And, you know, a lot of what we were doing because of the small numbers was three on three live, four on four live, and um, just kind of playing for like a half hour straight of three on three. And uh, it kind of made me rethink my own practice planning uh, in season because having a good 25 minutes on one side of the court of three on three, like every guy gets so many reps uh, and they just get so much better at whatever action you might be working on in that moment. So I really loved it. It was, it was great to try to get creative. It was great to try some new skill development drills up. You know, we did a lot of one V one stuff guarding and finishing and um, some different things like that. So uh, we tried to use it as a kind of like experimentation lab while still kind of sticking true to what, you know we do and what what we're all about as a program
1: how'd you make sure to not kind of overload it because we've talked about this before like division three guys you don't get a chance to work out with your team in the summer so this is like a you know this is a very new thing and like a blessing for guys to come in did you feel like you know it was hard to not overload guys and then did you also feel like guys were really excited to get back on the court as a team like could you sense that in your players
2: yeah it was first the the guys were I was a little nervous you know like how excited they would be, or it's the middle of the summer, you know, they, they, they're coming off like a long day of an internship or whatever it might be. And our practices, like the energy was awesome. We had 10 great practices before I was really excited. So that piece was great. And then, yeah, it's a great question. I mean, last time we spoke, it was, you know, I talked a lot about like keeping it simple and I would have to kind of like, just like slap myself every now and then just like, all right, you think of this idea and I'll pare it down to like, what's the most important part of that idea? So what we did was, again, we we were worried about ball screen use and ball screen coverage. We wanted to get into our, you know, run at like split type screens, Um, you know, the Princeton like point away type stuff. Um, And then we wanted to work on a new type of transition secondary break that we've been trying to implement for this year. And so what I did was I split. Uh, each practice into only focusing on one of those areas so if we were doing ball screen we were doing all ball screen drill work we were doing roll finish we were doing how to use you know your footwork off a ball screen then we were doing defensive stuff on ball screens you know getting over the screen how we're going to guard them and then we'd go live in three on three so it was very different structure than a practice typically would look like for me um but again it's making me rethink a lot of stuff because we got a lot better at a ball screens use and defense in an hour and a half. Um, so we really try to dial in on one area. So that was one. The next day would be um, you know point away like split screen action Princeton type stuff. So we would do like three on O, We do three on three. We talk about switching defensively and then we'd go a uh, lot four on four, three on three, whatever with a little structure to it, but kind of just read and play. And then the last day was all transition. So we would go up and down. If it was three on three, it would be like flip the ball at half court and sprint into the action, stuff like that. Um, and just work on the shots we would get in transition. So I really liked the complete focus on one area. I mean, obviously when you get into the season, you can't do that quite as much, but it's making us think a lot about preseason and how we want to approach each one of those practices.
1: It's also nice too, because you do know that like I'm sure you knew who you were playing, obviously, but it's not like you're watching film on those teams. It's very much more like self-scout like how can we play well rather than like all right we're going to florence and we're playing you know a a series b team or whatever out there and this is how we have to stop them right like it's not like you watched film on yourself i'm sure you you didn't watch any film on anyone you were playing right it's just not really a a plausible thing
2: yeah no so we had um two of our teams were kind of put together that we played so one was um from stella zora which is this academy in rome that's really well known out there and they when we played them they had you know, four of their 17U guys who are like high, high level 17U Italians. And then, uh, five guys who were former academy members who are pros at the time. So they were very thrown together, not as, you know, cohesive as a unit, but very skilled. Um, and then we played this team called, they're called the Italy All Stars. They played like every D1 that went over there. Uh, they played Baylor. They played Miami. They played Houston this year. They played UNC Greensboro. Uh, and then they played us and and they were all uh, third division Italian players, 24, 25, big, strong, really skilled. But again, not as cohesive as a team would be. And then our last game, we could have probably watched them on them, but I wasn't overly concerned by it. It was a team from Lithuania. They actually are. Uh, it's called um, like International University. Um, it's in Lithuania. They play in the second league in Lithuania, as well as the college league. So he plays. He was telling me he plays over 60 games a year, and he has them for practice the entire year. They have scholarships, all this stuff. So they were really talented because they were really put together. You know, they had a ton of practice before going. They played eight games in like eleven game, uh, eleven days while they were there. So it was really a basketball focused trip for them versus us who you know, we have our 10 practices, but then we play three games over there and we, we didn't practice at all. You know, it's just like you, you see sightsee all day and you go to your games.
0: What were, uh, what were some of the things you guys were doing off the court? Cause this is, you know, for students and for student athletes, this is like a once in a lifetime kind of experience. A lot of the times, what did you guys kind of do off the court and, uh, you know, as a team and as a group?
2: Totally. Uh, you know, we were, really focused. We were taking no breaks, no days off, no time off. Like if we were, if we were there, it. we were, yeah, yeah, we were up early. We were out of the hotel and we were trying to see as much as we could. So, you know, we get in in Rome for three days. I mean, if, I think you could live in Rome for three months and still not see everything. So, um, we were focused, you know, we would, you know, one day it was all about ancient Rome. So the Colosseum, the Roman forum, things like that. You know, the first day we got in, we do it. Uh, an overnight flight. We arrive in Rome at 7 a.m., get off the flight, immediately go to Vatican City and do like a full tour until dinner that night. So the guys are just dragging by the end of that day.
1: That was what my wife and I did when we went to Rome too. It was like the first day we went to Vatican City because it was a Sunday and like you don't realize how jet lagged you are. Like you walk in and it's beautiful. Like there's millions of people there. The guys are yelling at you to try to like get you to buy crap out front of it. But like we walked up the steps mad and i almost passed out like it was like you're just so dead it's so hot because it's august but it's it's such a beautiful thing to see too and it's like one of the things that i think like even if you're no matter what your religion is it's just like so like spectacular to see but i i remember just being so dead tired and so jet lagged i'm like this is totally so
2: so we had the day we flew out we had 7 a.m practice so i i deliberately wanted to get them out of bed early so that hopefully they passed out on the flight yep um and then, you know, we got in and, like, I was just living off espressos. I, I love coffee and espresso. So, so, so I was, so like, great. smashing shots of espresso. I probably had, like, <laughs> eight that first day. And I was flying. <laughs> I was, like, flying off the wall in my the attic. And they probably wanted to speak to that. But, you know, espresso and gelato just kept us flowing throughout that day.
1: Oh, man. I, I, that's what I, I joked with Smalls that, like, I didn't realize why I wasn't sleeping great in Italy. And then I realized that, like, every single dinner we had, I would get an espresso with dessert. And it's, like, you just don't think that it's, like – super caffeinated and instead you're like oh it's this tiny cup like how could it be bad for you? it's like why can't i fall asleep until 2 a.m and like you do you want to get up early because so you just you complete the cycle it's like all right you go to bed you wake up you have your espresso at 7 a.m you double you're ready to go it's great yeah. that's why i love <laughs> italy man it's the best
0: get the old
2: dopio baby it's you, you love the double espresso and then like our guys i'm telling you our guys by 11 a.m if half our team didn't have a gelato on their hands it was a surprise <laughs> i mean they were crushing ice cream. And gelato the entire trip.
1: So you guys did Rome, like you said, and, and how long were you in Rome and then went, how did you get to Florence? Did you take the train to Florence or did you, cause you went Rome, Florence, Venice, right? Those in order?
2: Yeah. So we did uh even a little bit more than that. So it was it was awesome. We had a uh, we used this uh firm called Beyond Sports Tours, um, and then went with this uh a former coach, Tim Whittle, who uh was at McAllister was a assistant at WashU for a long time and now lives out in the Pacific Northwest and does these tours. So we had a Italian tour guide. Uh, We had Tim and we had a bus and a bus driver the whole time. So we never took any um, trains or anything like that. So we were in Rome for three days. Um, That was our longest city. Then we went up to Florence. Um, We actually stayed in a hotel outside of Florence in this smaller town called Montecatini. That's where near where we played. Uh, And then went from Montecatini to Venice. We were only in Venice for a day, slept overnight, and then went to Milan from there. um, And ended after Milan, we had a day and a half in Lake Como, um, which was
1: awesome. That's like the crowd pleaser on the foreign tours. Like everybody goes to Lake Como. It's like a big deal, I think. It's like supposed to be beautiful, like beautiful beachfront type town. And it's obviously northern Italy. So it's a very different kind of feel than... Rome or Florence. And I don't think people really realize that until they get up to like, you know, the Northern parts of Italy.
2: Yeah. I I think that, you know, Rome is a must see. Florence is a must see, but going to those smaller towns, is so cool because you get more of the culture and there's not as much English being spoken around you. And you can kind of just let the guys go for four hours and say, all right, we'll see you. uh, You know, at the bus for, for dinner tonight. And, you know, ending with Lake Como was great, too, because as soon as we got there, we were just going for seven days. And then we had two days where it was a little more relaxed. I mean, one day we just literally went to uh, a nearby lake, rented like beach chairs and hung out for a few hours. You know, Uh, we had a boat tour of Lake Como. So, like, it was much less, you know, early in the trip, you're looking at your like iWatch and and your Apple Watch. you're, you're, You're like, oh, we went. 13 miles today and took like 4000 uh steps up, you know, you, you go up all the elevation, all this blah blah blah. And then by the end it was a lot less uh active, which was nice cuz you play three games. I mean like you're doing all those tours and then all right, let's get on the bus. We're going to the gym. You know, it's time to play. Um so it was
0: great. I got to imagine there's a uh you know, from a coach's perspective, there's a couple challenges though uh, a couple worries on the trip. you know what were kind of your challenges that you adapted to during the trip and things like that, and just dealing with your whole team being in a foreign country? It's got to be a little scary,
2: yeah, no, I mean I listen, uh, you get in trouble in a foreign country, like I don't know what to tell you you're in trouble <laughs> yes, you're on your own, but like good luck, you know so um no, it's definitely you know the a big thing was like it was very hot while we were there. So making sure these guys were taking care of themselves, you know, hydrating, not just eating gelato uh, all day before a game. That was a worry. I had to remind the guys about that a lot, but, and then, you know, obviously in Italy, uh, you know, the drinking age is 16 or whatever. So, you know, we kind of put out our own parameters on how to approach it. Um, And, you know, part of the culture in Italy is, you know, the wine and this and that. So, Um, we didn't want to be too, too restrictive, but we also wanted to be respectful, uh, to the trip, to our leaders, to our coaching staff, all that stuff. So, um, our guys did a really good job with it. You know, um, thinking back to uh, you know, my college years, I could, you know, I probably would have been a knucklehead out there, but, uh, our guys, I I would,
0: I would (laughs) dominate. I'll tell I you much. Dumb. I'd be, I'd be in a, I'd be in a foreign prison, no doubt about it.
2: <laughs> I gotta be honest. I was more worried about my assistants than my my players. I was like, please just show up for the bus on time, please God. <laughs>
1: well, the best part, I tell people this all the time about Italy. The best part is because of like how fresh everything is. Like especially with alcohol, with wine, there's not as many tannins, so like you can just slam bottles of wine and not wake up hungover. So there's no excuse for missing your, you know, getting to the bus. You can act in, like an idiot the night before. And just not woke up feeling terrible because that's kind of how, like, you know, the wine is fresh there. They don't need to, like, preserve it. But I didn't think about that with the drinking age. And I didn't – I guess you're right in terms of, like, being respectful to people on the trip. I, I guess uh, my, like, kind of last question is how did you coach while you were over there? Like, what's the approach to coaching the three games? Because you're obviously coaching differently than you would during the season. You're probably playing more guys, like – what was kind of your takeaways in terms of your coaching overseas?
2: Yeah. Um, one, it was really fun because, you know, you watch all these – like especially when we played the team from Lithuania, like you watch all this tape on, you know, European ball and the different type of ball screens they set and the coverages they do. And um, and then to, like, see it live and have to adjust to it was awesome. So, like, these guys were running the Euro ball screen, like the, the high mid ball screen with the back screen. They had, like, six counters on it. It was awesome. I mean, they were cooking us in the first half. So are you
1: um, going to run Spain pick and roll like just 100 times to start yeah. the season? That's a real popular thing because there's international <laughs> ball being played on TV right now. Like, yeah. as long as you know how to guard Spain pick and roll, you'll probably be pretty good defensively early in the year.
2: Yeah, it was, you know, to be honest, like we made an adjustment at halftime, but I wanted to see like how our guys would, handle. you know, again, that's kind of the difference.
1: That's with cool. Coaches. Like, yeah.
2: See how our guys adjust on the fly themselves. So I, I don't think I called a timeout in three games. Oh, I called one. We didn't play very well one day, but uh, I, I called one time out early in that Lithuanian game. But um, other than that, like we wanted to have fun with it. So we played, we started three different lineups. One day we started all our seniors, kind of like a senior night lineup to see what, uh, you know, it would look like and how it would go. Uh, we tried, you know, a few combinations at point guard. Uh, we, we tried some of our younger guys. We, we played everybody. Uh, pretty much equal you know maybe in the fourth quarter we were trying some things out um with you know our lineup that's maybe a little more likely to play big minutes but we only had 11 guys because it's only the returners so the incoming yeah, freshmen, you
1: can't do freshmen oh, yeah.
2: yeah so 11 guys is you know if you're playing pretty fast and getting up and down and after days like that where you're walking around so much like we got everybody a good amount of time and we wanted to give everyone an opportunity to uh, show what they had. So the leashes were a little longer, you know, we let guys play through some more mistakes. And I really think especially our young guys who we need to kind of step into some roles this year, it helped a ton, uh, to gain some confidence. You know, I've had a few meetings since we've gotten back and some of our younger guys are just like, you know, I, I, that second game in Italy, like I just felt so much more comfortable on the floor because, you know, they played maybe 30 minutes last year, maybe if that. So getting to play 20 minutes in a game, I mean, that's like a huge deal uh to be able to uh, get that opportunity
1: we've spoken a lot and a lot recently with guests about like going from like an assistant to a head coach and how you build relationships with your players did you feel like this type of trip where you get to kind of show a little bit more of your personality like your wife's there with you your assistants probably brought significant others if they have them do you feel like this type of trip is really important in terms of like I don't know. We hate saying culture, but you know it, Matt. Like, is it is it important for like moving forward in this season? Do you feel like you got closer with some of the guys? Maybe you didn't get a chance to coach really hard last year. Were you able to coach those guys hard while on this trip?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll say it, it was great for the culture. I mean, it was uh, it was awesome. I mean, like they to, to have your guys around you twelve hours a day and to see you in a different element, um, you know, is just so special. And like to see them you know, watch me with my wife, my parents were on the trip. So like, to see them, you know, my dad and my mom to like, interact with them more to see how I was interacting with them to, um, you know, just different aspects like that. It's just, you know, you can have your guys over for a barbecue all you want. But like, they're not going to see that entire, you know, you and your everyday life all that much, you know, it's just that's it's hard. So it was really special. I mean, I you know, We, we try, you know, my wife and I, we tried to sit down and like have a meal next to this group and this group, uh, during our dinners. And, you know, a lot of times I was eating and then kind of getting up and just walking around and being like, yo guys, what'd you think? Like, how was the pizza today? Or, or what'd you think of this meal? Did you like this pasta, blah, 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 um, you know, things like that. And again, just to be able to, you know, I had been to Italy And to be able to watch kids who had never really traveled internationally in their life, like walk up to the Coliseum and see it for the first time was just so cool. It was just so special. Like I wasn't walking up looking at the Coliseum. I was walking up looking at our guys like faces because it was awesome to see them and to hear like the stats in them, just like their jaws drop. Like no way that's, that didn't happen here. This is aliens had to do this or something, you know, like it was just so fun to experience. And, um, I really thought it brought our team, you know, we were already a pretty close group, but I think it uh, really facilitated us getting together and, and being even closer as a group.
0: Yeah, you guys are way ahead of the game, like way ahead of the game now. Uh, and I don't want to get into debate or like, you know, start going off on a tangent, but don't you think the NCAA <laughs> could let Division three, the 2 have four hours, five, six hours a week? Like, why not? Why can't it happen? Well, it's also how
1: crazy is it that your freshmen don't get to go on this trip? Because like, because like at D1s, if you're a freshman, like you just do it second summer session and they're all allowed to go. And it, it, it feels really bad to like rob your four players of like, first of all, it puts them aside a little bit, right? Cause some of your guys might have like, Hey, remember when we did this, we like inside joke or whatever. And then you have these guys that are like a little bit more isolated. And like, that seems like for lack of a better word, like I'll put a quarter in the square jar, but like that just seems super shitty to do to these guys. Yeah. who are starting a, a big four-year experience in their life
2: 100 it was uh that was probably one of the harder parts we actually spoke to like the captains about it like you know don't try to like don't rub italy like in our freshmen's face too much like just bring them in and like make them part of the family and don't worry about that other stuff so um yeah it's it's dunk i mean i love our freshmen I, I we're super excited about this class and I would have loved nothing more than to bring them on this trip and kind of my, my thing to them was like, listen, like we're allowed to do this every three years. So we'll do like, it for buckle, you. Yeah. Buckle yeah. up your fundraising belts because we're, we're going to put this thing together <laughs> over
1: the next three years. There's like good odds <laughs> on Bovada that these freshmen are going to be like shirtless having a car wash, like says, like send us to Italy in three years. Yeah, I love totally. it. Totally. hundred
2: percent. hundred percent. So yeah, it's uh, it's tough. I mean, and like, you know, the thing about, off season stuff. I mean, it's so silly. You know, our guy, like if you're, if you're a division three player and you care about the game, you're in the gym, you know, a couple hours, a few times a week, at least. And to give me just three 45 minute sessions, you're actually more efficient with your time because we'll get more out of 45 minutes of coached basketball on the floor than you go in for two hours at a time. So if you're really concerned about. Um, the student-athlete experience and making sure they have enough time for their academics, we should give the coaches time because it'll be more efficient. And these guys are doing it anyway. I think the mistake that's often made is Division three guys don't go in there and play in the off season. But every good program in the country, the top 50 programs in the country, 90% of their guys are in there five days a week. And if they're not, you're not going to be one of those programs. So to, to have, again, just like 45 minutes three times a week even if it's small groups or whatever, I think would make such a big difference.
1: I mean, yeah, you're preaching to the choir. I, I just don't It just it literally, it just is it doesn't make any sense. Cause like you said, like it's it's harder for you to actually be able to like coach guys up to get better individually because once the season starts, like first of all, you start later to begin with and you don't have that much time to like put in your own offense and stuff and do a bunch of individual skill work. So like what ends up happening is guys are trying to get in the gym on their own time in season as well. And that probably takes away from a little bit more class time than you'd expect or like work. And it's just, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like the NCAA does a lot of things that are very odd. Uh, This one by far is like the the most odd, like why you want to like have this clear delineation between like division one and small colleges when you don't need to do it because like, like, Matt, you're there every day anyway. So, like, it's not it's not putting you out at all either. It's like, and if you want to make them voluntary and just be like, hey, we have this optional-type workout, you can figure it out, you know? And that I don't know. That part just really frustrates me. And that's why, like, the foreign tour thing is very cool because it gets to, you know, differentiate you guys a little bit and maybe give you guys a little bit of a head start, which is, you know, you're not otherwise getting because now you can't be with your players again until, what, November 1st? So Oct- October 15th. October 15th, yeah. Yeah, yeah so...
2: Yeah, no, I mean, it's like, you know, doing the trip and having those practices, I just kept thinking to myself, like, man, like, some of these programs, like, you know, when I was at Amherst College, like, we didn't have to struggle to fundraise for a foreign tour every three years. Uh, you know, if, if Coach Hickson wanted to do it, he could. And, um, you know, for us at the College of New Jersey, like, we worked for it pretty hard. So, um, you know, it just, it just makes you think about, like, some of the advantages certain schools have, and, and especially at the Division three level. And. Um, you know, we have to, you know, work a little harder to, to go on and take advantage of these, um, you know, certain rules and we're going to, we're going to do it because it's so beneficial. I mean, it was, it was awesome. I can't tell you, like if anyone out there is listening as a D3 coach, just like start doing camps, start fundraising now, because there are, it's, there's nothing like this trip and not just basketball wise. I mean, our guys are kids from New Jersey who think going to Connecticut is like going to another country, you know, like going to Italy was so special for them and to be able to do it with their best friends and who they're comfortable with. And, um, it's a little easier to adjust to a new culture or different ways of doing things. It was, I I just think it was really special.
1: Yeah. Like we joke about this. Like we talk a lot about, like we've talked about the fab five before, but like in that documentary, like there's pictures of like Chris Weber and like Juwan Howard with like disposable cameras wearing terrible Nike sweatsuits or track suits. Like, in italy and it's like i don't remember if that's where they went but it's like those types of trips like no matter how successful you're ever going to be if you're a division one guy or whatever but even as like a a kid like it's just you're right like you just get to spend time with your friends and experience something that you know you worked hard to be able to experience and i think that's a part of it that makes it even more of a special trip is it's like all right well like we earned this so it's about us and it's always you know people you know jeff goodman's out here tweeting like every single thing about like what we learned on the foreign tour and it's it's all been basketball related and I don't know that that's the most important part about these types of trips like if you were to go own three or one and three whatever like I'm not sure that you know maybe as the head coach you might not sleep a little bit or you're watching film on the flight back but I don't think for the kids like it's not important to be like oh where are we defensively as you've been together for you know as a team for two weeks or whatever like it just seems much more important in terms of like bringing you together going into this season but
2: yeah I think I think the it was almost a better test of like mental toughness, right? Yeah. It's like, because I want you to focus on our tour of Rome. I want you to learn about ancient Rome. I want you to learn the history of it uh, and kind of expand your mind a little bit. But at the same time, when we get in the gym, like I want you to focus on basketball. And can you flip that switch and be able to play well and play through it? So uh, the mental toughness aspect too, I think is an underrated piece because like you're having long days. It's like, there's so many excuses not to play well. And it's all about finding reasons to play well or, like, fighting through those excuses, you know? Well,
1: I didn't think about that, too, because, like, obviously, like, breakfast in Italy is – breakfast in Europe is very different. But it's not like you're waking up and having, like, eggs, bacon, like, some toast. So, like, you said, like, you might have gelato at, like, 1130 and then have a game yeah. at, like, 4. And it's, like – yeah. That's not exactly the best way to consider it. But like at the same time, like do you really want to miss your eleven AM gelato? Like that is probably the best part about it. So
2: Yeah. You got nine uh, days. You eat as much gelato as you want. I don't I don't mind.
1: I'm I mean, we definitely I, I definitely I don't I don't know off the top of my head, but if like if we were there 10 days, like and you told me like over under on bovado was like 15 gelatos, like I would probably go over. Like I definitely uh, there were days I had multiple gelatos for sure. It's just 100%. like you just do that because you're gonna come back here and you're not gonna get gelato and it's not gonna be like one euro 25 or so it was so cheap like that was the other thing about it it was just like so cheap but
2: i put my gelato intake at uh a generous 1.5 over under per day and i more likely hit the over on a
1: standard day well that was (laughs) my question was gonna be and i should have put this in in six touches we're doing an abbreviated one but I, i was curious how many calories you think you ingested in a day I mean, it's like a scary number to think about. But like yeah, 5, a tremendous thousand? number. Like, yeah.
2: just, the, just the carbs alone, I think I was <laughs> taking down two croissants every morning. My boys, I mean, my boys were like walking out of breakfast with like three little Nutellas in their hands. Like they were just like slurping it down throughout the day uh you know it was uh I I can't even imagine it was it was a lot a lot of calories well
0: guys uh my my Bovada count just went way higher because I took over 17 and a half times you two would say gelato in a podcast (laughs) and uh you guys are at 26 right now so uh daddy's rich he feels good uh feels great but we're gonna move it over to coach speak so I'm gonna let Tyler take this one away since it's longer than six words I can't read it I've been reading a lot of Dr. Seuss lately but still having trouble with the reading
1: I picked this (laughs) I picked this quote because you retweeted it this morning uh normally I go to Jacob Ammerman's account to take all his coach speaks because that guy if you don't follow him on Twitter like he's the best he's got all these videos and motivational quotes like it's what you need to do to get in the mood for your foreign tour but uh you tweeted, you retweeted Mike Dunlap and he tweeted, young coaches know that you have chosen a very special profession. It will challenge every cell within your body, every value known to humankind, every ounce of energy you can muster is one of the absolute best professions a person can choose and they will call you coach. This is this not a little dramatic, Matt? Like, is it, does it challenge yeah. every cell in your body? I just want to know. Like, I just am into this. No, I, I it yeah Challenge let's hear it. Me,
2: bring it no it's great uh well,
1: so i want to know like because you said it like one of the things about italy that was so special was like watching your guys get to experience it and like did you feel like this quote kind of like summed up the foreign tour a little bit in terms of how you felt as sort of like the keeper of a program or somebody who's able to kind of improve kids both on and off the court
2: yeah no i mean it's definitely uh you know if you follow dunlap at all like he um his quotes are like intense in general. He's just an intense guy. And he, he actually, so I've, I've worked the last three summers at Jay Bill's camp and he comes every year. So he, he worked the camp one year. Um, and then he gives a speech, uh, the other two. So, um, kind of familiar with him and know him a little bit. And, uh, you know, this year actually at Billis, we uh, sat down on day one with all the coaches and Jay kind of got up and told this story about, you know, how choosing to be a coach, like, is hard, and it's a noble uh, and important profession. It's a privilege. It's a responsibility. Um, You know, and he kind of asked this question, like, how do you want to be remembered by your players in 10 years? Because he told this story about his high school coach, um, all this stuff. And um, it kind of just hit home with me. So I I was kind of, you know, I know a little bit of how Dunlap, Coach Dunlap thinks now. Um, and when I saw that quote, it just kind of like tugged at me a little bit and reminded me of that day at, at, at Jay Bill's camp and kind of talking through it. Cause you know, it is hard. I mean, for the most part, you know, being a high school coach, being a middle school coach, like coaching in general is rewarding. It's a matter of what level you want to be at and what you're willing to put up with at those levels. And, you know, I think we all know, and I think a lot of, especially the younger coaches, like assistants at the D3 level who may be listening, like it's hard. Like it's a sacrifice to stay in the game, just to stay in the game, let alone to actually do the job. So, um, you know, I think sometimes it's important to remember that it's like, you know, your responsibility is more than just like hoops and, uh, it's more to those kids. You know, I, the reason I picked it is because I learned more from my coaches than from most of my teachers or professors or whatever. So, you know, not to get too serious and while I'm talking with the boys, but, um I th- I think it's uh you know it's an important thing and something to keep in mind when you know you're jammed up about losing a game in Italy it's like it's not that big of a deal I
1: I will say this I have heard that Mike Dunlap his Twitter persona is absolutely his real life persona like he's a very intense guy like he re- he absorbs tons of material like he truly truly believes like this is And I'm not saying that tongue in cheek. You guys know I'm very sarcastic on the show. Like I joke around about stuff like this, but like this is who Mike Dunlap is, where like he takes that very seriously. Like if he is recruiting your son, like he's recruiting all of the responsibilities that come with that, not just a basketball player. I I have heard that before. I think Dunf told us that, Smalls, because he knows Dunlap pretty well. But I've heard like this is who he is, very much so. Like it is not an act.
2: Oh, it's not. I mean, it's big time. I mean, he gives a talk and like before the talk starts at camp. The entire whiteboard is filled with lists of three things, and you're like, I don't know where this is going. Like, if I can pick up a couple, I feel good about it. But he moves so quick. He does this thing where he snaps, and you have to snap back, and it's like you, it's like you have a buzzer like hitting you in the head, like Bing, and you're like, Oh, I'm trying to pay attention, trying to focus, trying to take notes. He is an intense guy.
1: I remember I can't, he coached the Bobcats, right? And obviously, it didn't really work out. But I remember hearing that like he is unbelievable at like just teaching like you said like kind of like just commanding a room and like getting a point across And I think he did struggle with professional players because I, I think it's different it's just a very different kind of like mindset and teaching style but his ability to just like teach a defensive or offensive scheme and like get people to pay attention and buy in I've heard is is like second to none like that's what he's better at than almost anybody
2: unreal I mean he's one of those guys like in that speech he talks about like learning from the Navy SEALs, learning from parenting class, learning from his kid's third grade teacher. And like, he's genuine about the entire thing. And he picks up stuff from all over the place. His thing is like, he'll pick up a book and be like, this book right here, you know, I took three things out of it. Then you throw it out, three things, throw it out. And he's like, all about three things, throw it out. Like, don't try to take more than that. Tremendous. Um, Yeah. So good. Yeah.
0: That's, that's pretty cool. I mean, that, that's a unique skill. I think it's an underrated skill. Uh, I don't have it, but just to be able to absorb a ton of different information and then decipher it and communicate it, that's, that's something that's really unique. And I actually do like that quote. Uh, I do think we see a lot of those quotes throughout the internet and Twitter sphere, (laughs) but every once in a while it does like, you know, remind you if you're in coaching that this is kind of why you do it. And sometimes you lose sight of that. So you need those. You need those good retweets from Matt Goldsmith. But you know what I need from you, coach? I need a city review. Yeah, it's oh, your yeah. second city review. But this is, this is not just like any city review. It's a country review. It's a foreign tour. It's yeah. Italy. You just got to give us best restaurants in Rome, Florence, Venice, favorite things to do in the city. I'm just going to let you talk, man. Because all I want to do is absorb this information. <laughs> three Speaking. things. You want <laughs> three, three things. things.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: All right, cool. Um, so uh, Rome, um, I could not tell you the name of this restaurant, but I will tell you. So there's like different levels of restaurant in Italy. And our um, we went to an Osteria, which is more like local food, a little cheaper um, in Rome, right near the Pantheon uh, as our first pregame meal um and it was unbelievable i mean i think um carbonara and um a couple other dishes were the local specialty i got gnocchi it was like the most unbelievable gnocchi it was like it was like pillows of potato you love uh, on every bite it was unbelievable and uh i thought that i was 100% positive we were going to walk out of there and just like be stuck in mud the entire game but we played okay still so it was so good and it's all those local little small shops so it was a it was a tour guide um special and then um florence is the big one i I can talk about this place uh for forever so uh whenever i see a coach is going on a tour to florence i suggest this panini place called il fratellini um it's right in the middle of florence If you walk past the Duomo on your left, you go down a few blocks, it's on your left. And, um, it's this panini spot that's got, I think 30 or 40 different paninis you order by number. It's two brothers. One guy does the bread. The other guy does the meat. And it's, uh, it's just an unbelievable operation. They're all four year olds each. So it's like more of a local spot. They're not trying to hit, um, you know, the tourists with a big number. And it was honestly, you know, the first time I'd ever been to Florence, we found the uh the the this Panini spot, Il Fratellini. And then the second time I went, um when I was teaching at a high school, I uh we found this spot again. And then when we we went back this year, and it's unbelievable. I mean, I dream about it. It's the best Panini in make, the world. What
0: makes it what makes it so good is it the bread is it like because I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. I've had like I can't even, remember, like, maybe one good panini in my life. And maybe I'm just missing the paninis train. But, you know, I'm not going to what. Italy. You know what so, I mean?
2: So, I'll tell you what. We're going to – so, uh, after this is over, we got to set up. We'll pick a date in the future. We're going to Florence together. I'm going to show you the spot. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but, uh so, the bread is perfect. This guy, they bake their own bread. It's all these little rolls. Uh, They throw it in the oven right right before you get it, so it gets a little toasty. But it's not like a pressed panini like you'd get uh, here in the states. Like it's super crispy on the outside. No, it's it's softer than that.
1: It's more analogous to like a sandwich. Smalls like it's not. They just kind of call panini sandwiches. Yeah, we've kind of ruined them in America. But the bread is ridiculous. It's the best. Oh my god!
2: So we had this one while we were there. Um, It was like sausage, fennel, and a goat cheese. And let me tell you something. I mean, it I, it was so good. I, I had like four of them. I,
0: I don't know what was happening.
2: I just couldn't stop going back and getting more. They were so good. They were just unbelievable. You know, just a classic prosciutto with some mozz. There was one they did a, um like a, a roast pork with um truffle oil. Oh, my God. I mean, it was like you just don't find it. You just don't find it around here. And if you do, please call me and let me know because I'll go there. I'll go. I'll there. fly there in a heartbeat.
1: The problem is you can't – like maybe in New York, I don't know, you can do it. But like you, the cheese is never going to be fresh. Like it's truffle season while you're there. So like that's obviously super fresh. And then obviously like all the cured meats and stuff that are just oh, so much so better. Good. So you're just never going to be able to kind of – I don't know. They're, they're just, like, stopping in midday to, like, a panini shop where they just give you some awesome, and it's, like, four euros. It's, like, oh, so good. Yeah, so
2: Dude, good. One of our one of our best stops is we're going from Rome to Florence, and in the middle of Rome to Florence, we stop at a rest stop. I mean, the rest stop was, like, better than a, any Italian restaurant in U.S. It was <laughs> unbelievable. You could get you could get full pasta dishes. You could get different types of paninis. You could get different types of pizza. It was all sit down. Like they, you're not grabbing this to go. Okay, you're sitting down. You're enjoying. You're having the meal. a nice
0: glass of wine. I, like yeah. that, that's the be- That's the best part about the
1: whole experience. Is like one. I, I think Americans go over there and they think like the service is bad, but like waiters and waitresses, like they're used to people being at restaurants for long periods of time. So you're supposed to like enjoy the experience, like have your salad, like have your antipasto, like have your pasta, have your main, like sit there get, for five hours, get dessert, yeah, yeah, it's wild. And then you know you just drink the table wine until they stop refilling it, which is never. So you're in good shape.
2: One of the best parts is our our guy, our tour guy, Francesca. On the night one, our guys are like in the hotel. They have their Wi-Fi, so their phones are out and all this, and like we have been trying to get their phones to stay away as much as possible. And she kind of stands up. She's like this fiery Italian. And she's like, guys, you don't understand. The best memories are made around the table. Like, can we put our phones away? And I was like, preach Francesca. Thank you. I the love The Francesca
0: it. roll. I did love you,
1: it. Did you uh did you do steak Florentine anywhere anywhere while you were there? Was that part of a meal? I, I would assume they did that or they did like wild some sort of like wild boar dish for you guys to kind of experience.
2: Yeah. So a few of our guys did the Florentine steak while we were there. I had done that in the past. Um but uh, some of the guys did it, you know, especially because it was like they had it during lunch. So there was all these great lunch specials where you pay, a, you know, one fixed price. You get pasta, you get your steak, you get your side vegetable, whatever. Um, but uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, the steak is just out of this world.
1: How would your guys react to the pizza and it not being cut when it gets to the table? Like, how did they handle that? Do you have anyone just eat the whole pizza themselves and not cut it at all?
2: Uh, we had all sorts of pizza reactions. So, it, you know, like, we're on day three, and I go up to this one kid, Randy Walko. He's uh, he over, averaged over 20 last year. Like, he's one of the best scorers in the country in the history, in my opinion. And I said, Randy, what do you think? Like, pizza? Yes, no. What do you think? He's like, you know, Coach, my favorite pizza is a buffalo chicken. So, you know, I think the pizza in Jersey is better. And I'm like, Randy, we got so much more to
1: learn. He's he right, right on the was, plane. You,
2: <laughs> yeah, get out of here. Stop ordering pizza if all you're thinking about is buffalo chicken pizza.
1: I'm, that's like the only place I've ever done this before. And I guess it's, it goes back into like the, how many calories you eat where you're just like, yeah, you know, I want a pasta and a pizza and a main course. So I'm just going to get a pizza as an appetizer. Like that's just going to be the main thing. Like we'll get a salad
0: and feel good about eating. Don't lie, you, You've you done that in your past, you know, <laughs> <don't> know <laughs> back, back in uh, a couple of years ago, you might've been getting an 18 inch piece. That, uh, yeah. I've
1: maybe, that. maybe a flat bread, maybe a flat bread. <laughs> how about uh, last one before we go to six touches? How about, how about in Venice? Like, Seafood, what did guys think there? I remember being blown away that uh, they actually had really fresh vegetables there in a town where obviously, like, you can't grow anything in, like, the touristy part of Venice. So what, what about anywhere in Venice you ate that was really good? Yeah,
2: so um, Venice was, we kind of were, like, on the run. We stopped at a place for lunch that had, like, local Venice um, seafood-type sandwiches and smaller uh, eats. Uh, that was solid. Uh, and then my, actually my parents probably had the best Venice experience. They went to this place, um, that's right off St. Mark's square. That, um, is the second oldest cafe in the world. Um, so they sat down there and it was like, my dad took a video. He was, he was loving it. There was like a old, like Italian music playing and he was like totally in the vibes. He was, he was loving that day. Um. But, you know, Venice was great. You know, what what we didn't have, what's what's the one of the specialties there is this like black pasta. It's like this squid, yeah, squid pasta. pasta. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've I tried that in the past, but I uh, didn't get a time to do it. I, I, I to be honest, I doubt, you know, so maybe some of our more adventurous eaters would have tried it, but I don't see that being ordered so often.
1: Yeah, we did it. Well, it's good. I mean, it's it's not like it wasn't like a mind. There were some like Italy food experiences that I thought were like totally mind blowing. Like I didn't think that was Venice as a whole. I thought was like a cool place to go. I don't need to go back. Like I don't I don't see it because it's smaller. It's way more touristy. It's much more expensive. But it is it is like totally like breathtaking. Like even as like, you know, as like a basketball player, you'd walk in and be like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like it is a very cool place to like appreciate kind of how different it is. And if you get up early, you get to see all the people, like how the kind of town operates. They're like running trash on rickshaws, like the little water taxis are taking things to the restaurants for the day. It's like that part's very cool. But um, yeah, all right, yeah. let's do six touches instead of, instead of 10. A little short workout today. I got the first three. What was the funniest moment from uh, this trip? Oh,
2: man. So Randy and his Buffalo chicken pizza was classic. <laughs> um, bad, one One of my senior captains was like on the search for like, classic American chicken parm and like never found it. And it was like, it was, it wasn't in my heart to tell him that like, you're not going to find chicken parm on this trip. So we just kind of let him go on his journey. It was pretty funny to watch. Um, You know, this one of my guys, uh, Niall Carpenter, another uh, rising senior. uh, The night before we were changing lineups and we were trying him out at the point guard one night. And I watched him have three large gelatos throughout the day before that game. And then he played unreal. It was like the most <laughs> impressive thing I've ever seen. He so was he's got to eat gelato, gelato all season. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going impu- to put it in our pregame meals now. Just get him like a melon gelato and just let him go to work. Um, and then, you know, the other big thing that was really fun to watch was what, the day we went to the Coliseum. Um, you know, they give you the stories about, you know, the different things that happened in the Coliseum and the animal versus animal fight. And as soon as uh, we left, we were in a 36 hour straight debate of just throwing animals out there. What do you think? Hippo or a lion? (laughs) Who wins? What do you think? And they're just tossing out every animal imaginable. Like, all right, so you got an anaconda snake. He's going up against an alligator. Who's going to win in the costume? And they're just going back and forth for uh, the next two days. It was fantastic.
0: That's incredible.
1: That's actually very <laughs> funny. Uh you mentioned you you're on a bus, so I guess this question's not great. I thought maybe you got to experience the train or anything. Any tough travel while you were there, other than just the amount of time you were on your feet? Any times where you were like some of those roads are tough. Italian drivers drive really, really fast. Like any time where you were like, This is this is kind of awkward or this is weird travel?
2: No, travel was pretty seamless. I mean, like, um, you know, just going down like the windy roads, cobblestone streets, like. If you have any guys who don't go on bus as well, like it could lead to some issues in the back for sure. But uh, our guy was really good.
1: Also, you're right about that though. Like you can just be walking and cars are just coming down the street. And if you're not paying attention, you just look like an idiot. That is one thing in Italy that I remember being very like stunned by. It's like you're just walking down a side street and then there's just a car that barely fits in the little alley that you have to like cram yourself up against the wall to get by
2: um totally and we had a couple guys like they they live with their like airpods in. it's like you gotta slap the airpod out of their ear and be like hey hey move out of the way You're about to get run
0: over
1: <laughs> what a! Uh, it's a long flight what'd you what'd you binge what were you reading like what'd you do on the airline to get to get through the flight other than watch film of uh you know your tc basketball
2: Sure you did. That. Yeah, of course. Uh of course. Yeah. So uh, you know, it was a long flight. I think uh on the way there, I, I i read um this new book um called Range by David Epstein. It's about uh like having a variety of skill sets. It's basically like the first chapter is Tiger versus Roger Federer. Like Tiger was a specialized guy, Federer played a ton of sports. What's better? Uh and what should you like? you know, try to do with in, in any field, uh, really interesting, cool book. I'd suggest to anyone out there on the way home, I was a little tired. I was a little looser. I think I, uh, I started off with the stars born just the classic, uh, you know, some great songs, Bradley Cooper, what a performance lady Gaga. I mean, you can't beat it.
0: (laughs) Oh man, that's awesome. Last text from a coach. And what did it say?
2: Oh, so this is pretty embarrassing actually. So, the other day, uh, I think this was Monday or Tuesday. You know, I, I'm in, Italy's over, school's starting, guys are coming in and out of the office. So you're just kind of buzzing around, doing a lot of stuff. And one of those uh, emails came out that said, you know, we're hosting this big tip off tournament. Uh, it's a mass email. So we got every Division three coach in the country is CC'd on this email, not BCC'd, CC'd. Oh, and huh. I did <laughs> More the, choice. I, <laughs> yeah and i did some assistant not no, not 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 only so dc but the poorer choice was i replied all <laughs> oh so that's I, sweet so i go reply all like hey we're interested in the tournament and i threw in a little like you know other piece because i know the guy like hope this is going well and i got like immediate eight to ten text messages like nice reply all like what are you doing and And I deserved it. It was my own fault. (laughs) I took it all in stride. If anyone's listening to this, you can send me a text message too. It was embarrassing. Okay. I feel bad about it. It kind
0: of pumps up the tournament, though. Like you're kind of like, oh, TCNJ's in. Maybe you got somebody. (laughs) They're like, all right.
2: Yeah. We were trying to work on getting, you know, a lot of excitement for the tournament. No, it was like, what an amateur mistake. I felt like I was a first year assistant again. Uh, But, you know, sometimes these things happen. And most of the text messages I received were, full-on just ripping me for replying all.
0: great i wish i was on that <laughs> i would have ripped you too um, <laughs> but i'll rip you here
2: deserved. so good job yeah.
0: <laughs> uh next destination for a foreign tour you said people are putting on the fundraising belts where are you guys gonna go where do you want to go i guess uh, yeah it's a great reasons. question
2: i think um i'm between two right now i think if i had to choose it's either spain or greece you still get those You know, you can still do those nice days of relaxation near water of some sort. Um, And the food is good. I think part of the um, appeal to some of these guys on the foreign tours is making sure that they feel relatively comfortable, you know, but still get uncomfortable with the food options. And I think Greece, you got great options. I think Spain, you can't go wrong. So uh I would think those two, but you know sometime down the line I want to go back to Germany and bring the whole team back to Germany and just kind of see some old teammates and um you know catch up with some old guys that uh, that I knew out there so those are kind of the next three I'm thinking about
0: Did you bring any gifts back and what were they Oh
2: man yeah my uh, my wife went
0: in in Italy uh she and really she enjoyed should.
2: herself yep nice. um so you know we brought back some classics we brought back some wine for some people I think we did um, the majority of our Christmas shopping while we were out there, so I can't really reveal those gifts, <laughs> of course. But um, we did some fun stuff. I mean, my uh, we got some new, you know, inspired by the fashion out there. Some nice clothes. I got a nice uh, AC Milan jersey and some uh, little AC Milan jerseys for my nephews. So,
0: are you going to be like coaching that. with like a scarf on this year and be like, <laughs> like? That would be that would be awesome, right? If it was just I'm like, like, yeah, this is Italian. Uh, and, like, you go up to coaches and you're like, yeah, I got to go full on
2: uh, a throwback to the old podcast. Uh, Pep Guardiola. I'm going to go, like, bomber jacket and scarf. <laughs> Have a nice, like, five o'clock shadow. Like, a trimmed up beard. Really, his, really good styling out
1: his there. His sideline swag is unreal. Like, it's huh. amazing. And it's also, like, per- he's, like, yelling and moving around in high energy. And then he's, like, perfectly clothed when he walks in the locker room. It's like, how does unreal.
2: this I- – he looks like he's out of a GQ spread and he just coached for, for, you know, 90 plus minutes. It's, it's next level.
1: <laughs> All right. Parting <laughs> shots. Uh, we altered these a little bit, but same, same vein. What's the best advice you got before you went to Italy? Like best advice about going to Italy this time around? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, uh, you know, it was, it was, from coach Hickson. Like most of my best advice is, and he um, I called him one day and just kind of was talking to him bad. And he said, you know, I was, I was like, Oh, how'd you use practice? How'd you do this? Blah, blah, blah. And he kind of said, he said, Goldie, just like take a breath and remember that everything you're doing is an advantage and a plus. So enjoy it, smile, you know, let the guy see a less serious version of yourself because it's all additional stuff to what you normally get and you get to travel. So, uh, just smile and enjoy each, each day. And, and, you know, don't worry about the game that night. If you're touring Florence or whatever and it's a long day just like try to get the most out of every moment and uh you'll really enjoy it so kind of cliche but you know he really made me step back and be like what a good point like what a special trip you know basketball is great but there's bigger things that are going on and going into this trip so let's just enjoy it and make sure the guys uh, enjoy it instead of you know maybe it is you, you have a shorter leash at home with them you know acting up or messing around a little bit but you know they're on a trip like let them have fun let them enjoy they want i want them to have these memories for for their lifetime as well so uh it was a really good piece of advice
0: that's re- that's really cool he said that because i don't i don't think every coach would tell you the same thing they might be like here's you know game planning wise blah 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 you can do this with practices that's a nice thing because it was probably for you you were like yeah you're right like just smile a little bit and have fun so that's cool going back to the day before the trip who uh, what would you tell yourself
2: yeah, um, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, I think really the advice Coach Hickson would give, I would just double down on it. I think I got a little, a couple times probably too worried about this or, um, you know, thinking too much about basketball or post game or this and that. And it's like, how many times do these guys get to go to Italy with you know, nine of their best friends. How many times do you get to go to Italy with your wife and your parents? Like, just enjoy the experience. And, um, you know, we squeezed a good amount out of basketball. We could, we probably could have gotten more, but I think what we did do well is take advantage of the time, use every day, try to get out there. You know, like our tour guy, she was saying, well, do you want to end the day early today? The boys look tired. I said, no, I don't want to end the day early. Let's go. Let's stay here as long as possible. This is um, they may never come back, you know? So, um, just take advantage of all those moments and like, just push through because it's a long, you know, what they don't tell you going into those trips is it's a long 10 days, especially, um, as a coach and worrying about, you know, curfew or this or that or whatever it might be. You know, we didn't have a huge staff out there. So a lot of times I'm sitting in the lobby waiting for, for guys to get back or whatever it might be. So, um, just kind of pushing through it and. You'll probably sleep pretty well when you get home, but it's going to be well-earned because uh, it's
1: a good trip. No, good advice. And uh, we appreciate you coming on and and talking with us about the trip because I do think foreign tours are are stuff that everybody likes to do. They don't necessarily know how to do them. They don't necessarily know how to reach out to them. So before, usually I shout out your Twitter, which is at Coach M. Goldsmith. For people that don't know, you should be following him. But um, can you shout out the company that you worked with again, just in case anybody wants to hear it and maybe get Totally.
2: Yeah, so... We used Beyond Sports Tours. Uh, we kind of shopped around to see what was going to be the best price. But, um, you know, Tim Whittle did a great job with it. It's a really small shop. They're growing. Um, they they started off doing all Costa Rican tours. And they're doing tournaments now in D3, like uh, Christmas stuff. Like I think they're trying to set one up in uh, New Orleans and, and things like that. So they do a really good job. Uh, they're really hands-on because it is smaller and it's growing. So... Um, I would, I, I couldn't recommend him enough. I think Kim did an awesome job. I think beyond sports did an awesome job. We had no problems. I mean, you know, my mom, when we were there, broke her foot, uh, on like day three and she, they took care of her. Like I've never seen she, it was awesome. So, uh, they, they did an awesome job. We had no problems, no headaches, whatever we asked, they took care of. It was fantastic.
1: And they are, uh, it's just beyond sports tours.com. Exactly. How it spells. And then beyond sports CR on Twitter, if you guys want to give them a follow and, uh, I know you're chopping the bit to start. It's September 1st today, so just 45 days, I think, if September has 30 in it. Yeah, that, that sounds Something right. Something like so that. 45 yeah. days till the season starts. But Matt, we appreciate it, man, and we'll be following. And uh, thanks as always for coming on, chopping it up with us.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. I love what you guys do. It's uh, it's such a benefit to the small college guys. I know all you know everybody I talk to. This is this podcast. You guys are doing an awesome job. We appreciate you doing what you do. Awesome.
1: We'll talk soon.